Hey, everybody. Welcome back to a special edition of Boosting Your Financial IQ. It's special because I'll tell you that here in just a minute. But I have a guest from the community. His name is Marco Bavetta. He is in the UK. He's just outside of London. And he reached out to me not too long ago, and we had a great conversation. And I thought, oh my gosh, somebody of this caliper at this age, I definitely need to have on the show. He's 18 years old. He started listening to the podcast, and I just love his ambition, his goals that he has in life. So I thought, let me bring him on the show because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there that are in a similar position or in roughly the same age category. And I'm, I'm sure you're you're thinking the same things that Marco is going to be asking me today. So we're going to have this interactive conversation, and I'm really excited for this episode. Marco, thank you so much for being here, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'd, I've been waiting on this for so long. I mean, I've been an avid listener of the podcasts, uh, both business strategy and boosting your financial IQ for quite a few months now. And just to see an email pop up saying that Steve has invited you to a podcast, I, I couldn't believe it. And I, I knew I couldn't turn that opportunity down. Well, yeah. And, I, and I'm glad that you, you you took me up on the the offer as well, because you know, I, I think you're, you have a lot of great things to say and a, a really good perspective. I really enjoyed our conversation that we had prior to this episode recording. And so I, I'm ready to dive in. So the, answer this to me. I mean, you're, you're 18 years old and, and I love it. Like the the first time we talked over zoom, you know, you're well put together. You show up in this, you know, suit and tie. And I'm like, oh, that that's just so impressive. And you have these goals, you want a better life. Like where does all this come from Marco and, and maybe provide the audience with a little bit more background of who you are and, and what you're all about. Well, I mean, uh, growing up, I've always been like financially stable. I've always had that financial ambition in me to, learn finance initially during my secondary schooling which for the american equivalent i think was high school i always wanted to be an accountant i was always fixated on yeah uh, i want to do accounting because and that actually stems from my family as my grandfather was actually an accountant and so when i would see him manage all his accounts manage all of his workers it really struck that amb- ambition in me but then once i finished my uh, secondary schooling I thought accounting is it's, it's just not for me I feel like I I, I, I really want to continue with finance but I want to take it on a different path you know so then I thought to myself what different route can I go down there's so many different paths in finance investment banking uh, commercial banking corporate banking it, it got confusing at the start to try and figure out okay why is this one different from this what's going to happen if I go into this field what are the opportunities for me And still at 18 years old, I'm still trying to figure that stuff out. But I really thought when I looked at uh, commercial banking and just banking and finance opportunities in general, I I just couldn't stop learning about it and bought multiple books, reading up on it. And recently, uh, a week ago, I just got accepted into my university, the London Institute of Banking and Finance to study a a bachelor's degree in banking and finance, which I'm so excited about. I'm ready to start in September. Congrats. And what a great manifestation of your hard work up to this point. You know, and I got to say, like, I, I love your accent too. It, it's it's funny because when I was in my MBA program, there's this guy, Jared, and he was from South Africa and he had this great accent and he just sounded smart. Like everything he said, it just sounded so much smarter because of his accent. So like when you hear me speak is can you, does it sound like I have an accent too? Or, or how does that sound? Just out of curiosity, a side note. Yeah, definitely. I think everyone, everyone's accent internationally can differ. And that's what's 
so amazing about your podcast when you bring people on from all over the world you've got all these different cultures but we all share the same common knowledge and that is finance and that's what brings uh, everyone together on this podcast and it's just amazing to see how different people come from, from coming from different backgrounds and just uh, with different sort of ways that their societies work it's, it's amazing to see how these different sort of cultures work and it's similar to me as well I mean growing up in the UK I've been uh, especially near London which is the financial capital of the country it's it's kind of persuaded me to go into this uh, route into this industry which I find quite interesting yeah I agree. And and I agree. I mean, that that's the coolest thing about this platform. I love when people are reaching out all over the world. Like every day I hear from people all around the world, from Brazil to Germany to China to all, all over the place. So it's really cool. And I agree. It's nice to have this common thread among you know humankind. Like we all want to live better financial lives, not just for the sake of making more money, but because there's so much upside in so many areas of life as we gain this financial knowledge. So I think it's very interesting because Marco, look, you're, you're kind of an, an oddball in some ways. I mean that with all due respect, because most 18 year olds, when I think about 18 year olds in the United States, at least they're out there, you know, they're maybe they're still in high school. Maybe they're graduating from high school. Some of them are like, you know, playing video games all day. Some of them, you know, may have a job at like the, local donut shop, which is, there's nothing wrong with this stuff. Like, look, I was 18 years old before. I mean, I, I started my business when I was 16. So I was, I was kind of an odd duck too. That's, that's why I love having you on the show. But most people out there, I, I don't think they really understand the importance of not just financial intelligence, but just the importance of investing in themselves. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that because I think, dang, you know, um, this world is so competitive and the skill sets that are required of younger people are so different, even from when I grew up, you know, when I was that age over 20 years ago, not too long ago, it's completely different. So maybe talk a little bit about that and, and, and where does your drive come from though? Like, where does your ambition come from? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've, li- I've been living that normal life of, uh, playing video games or going just into my education, achieving my uh, high school grades, working a part-time job, which I've now worked in retail for the past year and a half now and uh, haven't stopped working there since. Uh, I think that being able to sort of balance sort of studying and learning with actually, well, earning and trying to better yourself personally, I think, it kind of fits those two things together when I'm learning about finance from a career side, but I'm also learning about it for a personal side, such as doing this podcast, for instance, being able to express my opinions, which I know that my opinions will vary in the next five, 10 years. And I'll be able to look back on this and say, wow, I can't believe I had these opinions in uh, 10 years ago and how it differs from me in the future. So I think this is really good for me to sort of look back on at at such a young age as well uh, to understand these different financial terms because I see all over media all over social media online that whatever you do to try and to try and capture these skills and these financial this financial understanding you have to do it young because uh, I'm already going into university I mean five years ago I, I I was just still in normal high school secondary school 
and it, it just seems like such almost as if time is going too quick for me so I feel like I've got to sort of catch up with the pace of the people around me but I feel like it's interesting when I look at it from that perspective of uh, how I can understand and sort of develop this knowledge now and then reflect back on it later because when I'm 28 years old in eight uh, in 10 years time I'm gonna be like wow I can't believe that that happened and and I was able to invest my time uh, at such that young age that I don't have to do it uh, now 10 years later and I just think it's important to start as early as possible learn about business finance learn about strategy all these different things because at the end of the day for my age it's all about trying things and learning new things being able to take risks and uh, different social experiences getting jobs and for all that to happen to me at such a young age I'm, I'm quite grateful that I've had what I've had so far and I've been able to acquire this knowledge and it can only go further from there no and I love it I absolutely love it and and that's the great thing about this podcast I mean obviously I'm biased but you know it's it's free I mean people can listen to it from all over the world this education is free to get started even with the app, I mean, there's a lot of great features on there to get started for free and it's all in like one place. And, and just, I, I love, you know, how you have tapped into this content and, and really, you know, really want to improve yourself. So let me ask you this, Marco, you interact with a lot of people, um, your age, I'm sure. And, and you kind of hear different conversations and get a sense of what people are interested in or fearful of or excited about or whatever it may be, but you have your finger on the pulse of your age group. So I'm going to turn the time over to you. What types of questions or types of things do you want to ask me related to, you know, what you're going through, what you see other people going through and how can we add value to the audience here? I'm going to turn the time over to you. Uh, well, so I was thinking of uh, more directing questions about uh, investing and just being able to run a business in general. Those are the two main core topics I wanted to focus on today to ask you and just, cause I want to learn more about not, not only about investing financially, but also investing in yourself uh, as well as uh, being able to run a business. As you've said, you've uh, start, you had your first business when you were 16 years old. So I've with, with the amount of experience you've had, I think it's just so powerful uh, in order to sort of gain that knowledge and that experience that, that you can share about being able to run a business, what it's like, the pressures of starting up and then sort of growing that business into a more uh, sort of established business stage and just kind of directing me through the different uh, stages of trying to run a business, trying to manage workers, staff, costs, financial modeling. And there's just so much to get into. Okay, great. Yeah, well, let, let's do it. So do you have a specific question that you want to start with? Or do you want me to just start talking? How do you how do you want to roll this out? Let's take a quick break. All right, I have to interrupt the show, but I'll be super quick. I have a question for you. Who are you working for? Chances are you're working for everyone else besides yourself. Think about it. You're working for shareholders by grinding away in someone else's company. You're working for a bank by paying interest. You're working for the government by paying taxes. You're working for social media companies by giving your attention to their paid advertisers. You're working for your friends by doing crap that you don't want to do. You're working for everyone else by not pursuing the most essential things you are destined to achieve. 
Look, I've been there. I'm still there at times. Ugh, it could be so frustrating. If you want to achieve financial freedom, the fastest way to do it is through business. Don't get tricked by get-rich-quick schemes. Don't be fooled that your 401k is going to build you wealth. Don't waste time by trying to piece business finance together. Check this out. Here's my invitation. Go to byfiq.com, which stands for Boosting Your Financial IQ, Com and check out our programs. We have one for every possible path you're on. Whether your goal is to become fluent in business finance, launch a profitable business, or scale a business successfully, we have a solution to help you. I promise you, your life will change when you take action. So check out these opportunities that I've prepared for you. Now back to the show. Yeah, I've got uh, a few questions lined up. I can just ask them now. Okay, go for it. So how have you been able to balance not only running businesses, but also free time as well? I've heard a lot about uh, the work-life balance and trying to work this. But when I see people talking about work, it's completely different to running an entire business. So I was just interested on how you can have that sort of free time, that sort of relaxed time to put the business aside. And if you actually get a chance to do that. Yeah. So, and, and that's a great question. And look, I'm not going to feed you a bunch of bull crap here on the podcast and, and tell you that it's easy and I have it all figured out. And my life is like so balanced. Cause I could tell you like, there's some days where I wake up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, Marco, like my life is spinning out of control or I'm not taking good care of myself or I need to spend more time with my kids or with my wife or whatever it may be. And so things get messy and they get out of balance. I, I don't want to you know, come across like, oh yeah, I have it figured out. And I have like the perfect balance between all these different responsibilities that lie on my shoulders because that's just not the truth, but I can provide you just some little, you know, stories or just little thing, like little things I've learned along the way. So number one, I think there's a book that came out the four hour work week. And I don't know if you've heard of it and, you know, it's a good book and I, I understand the the concept of it, but I think people like got like that title stuck in their head and all of a sudden they thought, okay, you know, I too can launch the next app or I'm going to create this next technology or I'm going to be the next Facebook or whatever it may be. I'm going to make money, millions of dollars as a YouTuber and I'm going to only work like a few hours a day and then, you know, I'm good and then I'm going to make all this money. And I just, it's very, very, very rare. I've never met anybody who's been able to pull that off. But like, I know for me, like the life of a content creator, it's a ton of work. Like putting together the podcast is a lot of work, building out the app, building out the content. It's a ton of work. There are days where I wake up at 4 a.m. Last week, I woke up at 5 a.m. pretty much every day, except for one day I got up at four and I was, you know, in my chair, in my office at six or 6.30 working. So, and it's just a grind. And right now I'm in a different phase because I'm building all this out. I'm building a business. I'm working with companies and um, I'm doing all sorts of things. So it's, it's something that I have to be very mindful of, but I, I could tell you here, here's just a few things that I've learned along the way. Number one, I, for Steve, like Steve Coffin, this is me speaking. I have to prioritize taking care of myself, which I'm terrible about mostly on the sleep side. So I like, I don't do a good job with sleep. I need to be better about that because I know it's super important. But for me, I get up at 5 a.m. The first thing I do is I go into my closet. I go in my closet because my wife's sleeping and I have you know my books that I'm reading. So I'll have like a spiritual book. Sometimes I'll just have this 
you know, another educational book or whatever it may be. And I'll read, whether it's scripture, whether it's spiritual stuff, whether it's just self-improvement, whatever it is, but I'm going to read, I read something that's uplifting that helps me to become a better person. So I always do that. And I also have a journal that I write in. So I'll write my thoughts for the days. I'll, I'll set my intentions and I'll spend that time with me. And it's always at least a half hour. Then I spend a half hour to an hour working out, depending if I'm lifting weights or whether I go on a run, but I spend that time working out, moving my body, taking care of my physical self, because if I don't have that, then I don't have the energy for the rest of the day. So I always do that. I have to do that. And then I get into work. When it comes to work and like holding everything together in the past, what I would do is I would just say yes to everything. So somebody would just reach out and say, Hey, Steve, can you make it to this meeting? And I'd say, yes, 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 yes. Hey, you want to come to this barbecue? Yes. You want to come to this? Yes. Even if it's three weeks out? Yes. And then the date would approach. And I'm like, crap, you know, like, why did I say yes so quickly to this? Not that it's a bad thing, but it's just, there's good, better, and best. So I've learned that if I don't focus on the best things, the good things could get in the way of my progress. I don't know if that, does that make sense to you, Marco? Yeah, yeah, I, I completely understand that and uh, where that comes from, trying to balance that sort of lifestyle. And I think it's very interesting when you talk about uh, having that strict schedule because throughout my studying over the past, well, I mean, I, I just received my results now to get into university, but over the past half a year, I would have a strict uh, time schedule, go to bed at 10, wake up at 8 o'clock, and then uh, study for X amount of time, study for six, seven hours every day for six months over and over again, day after day. And I think when reflecting on that now, being in that schedule taught me so much about myself and how this is the most I've ever worked for something. This is the hardest I've ever worked, put all my effort, all my energy, time, concentration, focus, everything into this single thing into getting the grades that I want to get and get into the university that I want to go into and it was just it wasn't even the fact that once I opened those results paper I didn't think to myself oh my god uh, I'm so happy I can't believe this how did I manage to do this I was happy don't get me wrong but I was more relieved because I just thought to myself these past six months I worked so hard what was I there to be worried about? Why was I worrying about not getting the results I wanted? Why was I worried about not getting into the university I wanted to go into? Because I put all this time and effort in. Why was I so pessimistic about uh, if I maybe if I didn't study enough or uh, what happened during the exams? Because at the end of the day, I did get the results that I wanted. And not only that, I did better than the results I wanted. And I think that was only because of the amount of hard work I put into it. So after reflecting on getting those results a week or two ago, I, I just think to myself now, if I can put that effort in and all that hard work for six months, think about what I can do in two, three, four, five years. I mean, it, it, it's amazing what we can achieve when we just put all our energy and focus into this one thing. Because at the end of the day, it works. So I don't see why I can't be able to start my own business in the future or why I can't be able to get into a, a 
a top financial firm and in, in, a, in a vice president role, for example, and just build myself up. Because if you put the work in, then it, it clearly shows that you get the results. And I think that it's better that I've realized that early on in my life than rather just, uh, for example, not putting the work in over the past six months and then panicking and, and stressing and worrying about not going into the right uni and being taken on a whole different career path. Yep, exactly. And, and I agree. And I, I think what it comes down to is the patterns. You know, it, it's like you had patterns that you followed, which gave you the confidence. So when you got the results and you got accepted into university, it wasn't a huge surprise for you because you followed the pattern. Now, sometimes you follow patterns and you don't get the results. That's fine, right? Because there's something better for you down the line. I truly believe that. But I think the patterns is like so critical. And I'm like psycho about the patterns. You know, I have my pattern, my routine. And sure, sometimes I'll stray from it. Like when I'm traveling or, you know, there, there's days like on the weekend where I don't work on Sundays, for example. So my my routine has definitely changed up. But, you know, I could tell you it's like pattern. There's a mismatch between people's goals and their patterns. It's like, I want to be an entrepreneur, but my pattern is I wake up at 10 o'clock and you know, I'm, you know, by the time I get started with work, it's like 12. And then, you know, you just waste time by being on social media or gaming or just like jacking around. And it's like, that's fine. If you want to do that, I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying you have to match your patterns to your goals. And I think patterns are so critical. So I think having patterns, following the best things and, and not feeling guilty to say no, like saying no to things. So there's sometimes where Somebody will invite me to something and I'm just like, no, I can't do it because I'm focused over here. And in the past, I felt really guilty. So that's why I'd always say yes. But now I'm being much more intentional. And if it's not a heck yeah, then it's a no. That's the way that I, I play it. The other thing is, is just being true to ourselves and having that integrity is really critical. So when it comes to patterns and like routine and everything else, this last thing I'll say, then we'll move on. But you know, I used to snooze. So like my alarm clock would go off and I'd hit the snooze button. I'd hit the snooze button. I'd hit the snooze button. And then I'd finally get up and I tell you, I'd be running late and then I'd have to scramble. And then my morning was all hectic and I wasn't getting the results that I wanted. So what I did, this is just what worked for me is whatever time I was going to get up, I just set my alarm. And when that alarm went off, I got up just like, get up, don't hit snooze. Don't lay there. Just like turn it off and get up. So I think it's just so funny. People have set an alarm for like five, then they'll snooze till six. And I'm like, how terrible is that? You're being woken up like every nine minutes. So just like have set the alarm for six if you're going to get up at six. So whatever it is, like be true to yourself. Same thing with like working out or studying or working in your job. Like when I'm working out, nobody's watching me in my gym. So if I tell myself, okay, I'm going to do three sets of eight, eight reps, one, the last one, maybe I want to, you know, maybe I'm tired. I'm just only going to do seven. It's the small little things like that, where you're not being true to yourself. I'm using, you know, lifting weights as an example. I mean, but there's so many other things, but if you tell yourself you're going to do eight, do eight, even if nobody's watching, because if you cheat yourself on the small things, you're going to cheat yourself on the big things. And same thing with studying. If you say, Hey, I'm going to study for six hours. And then it's like, well, you know, I'm actually kind of tired. I'm just going to stop and watch some Netflix or whatever it is and you only study for four, you're cheating yourself. So like, be true to yourself, be true to your patterns and say yes to the best thing. Yeah, I guess that's my advice, Marco, in that area. Yeah, I mean, when you talk about 
working out and running it's really interesting because similar to me i can sort of i've got to the point at which i can train my brain to set these goals and achieve these goals like for instance i've i've been running for the past year now just doing normal 5k runs and uh over the past month i've started pushing my limits and getting to do 10k runs and the first time i tried it i had i had set a goal of trying to get a 10k run in under the, the space of one hour and for the first time i didn't manage to do that mm -hmm. i managed to do it in about maybe an hour and five minutes hour and seven minutes it, it was really sort of not heartbreaking but it was kind of just disappointing for me personally but when everyone said to me oh how did your run go did you manage to do it in under an hour i told them yes yes i managed to do it in under an hour and that's not because i was just lying to them on purpose it was because if i tell these people that i've done this then i will train myself to do it the next time round and coincidentally the next time i went for a 10k run about a week later i did get it under an hour so i just i just thought to myself wow if if i can just train my brain to do a, a, a such a small accomplishment like that think about the things that i can do in a, a year's time or or over the years of what i can sort of set these goals these little goals but over time as you say these little goals are the sort of foundations to these bigger goals you want to achieve in life because when i set myself goals and this goes for anyone my age or uh, even up to your age when i think and sort of set my goals it's so bad to set unachievable goals because realistically you're just going to get more and more stressed and tired and sort of worried that you're not going to you're never going to achieve these goals because they're just too far to reach so by building smaller and smaller goals over time it will allow you to get that set that sense of satisfaction to want to continue and want to keep on going and pushing for those goals so that eventually you will achieve those big goals that you want whether it's uh, landing in a top firm or achieving a university degree whatever it is whatever situation someone is in in their life everybody on this earth will have their own goals yeah so yeah well yeah. said i i totally agree yeah. with you as it relates to setting small goals and great philosophy so yeah i know you had some questions about business and investing do you want to switch gears and talk about that now yeah so i've been doing a little bit of research about the in terms of the uk economy but as yourself being a us citizen i really wanted to find out uh what do you see for the future of the us economy and where can you see it in the next five ten years yeah, I mean that that's a great question and if I had a, a crystal ball that'd be, you know, I'd have my own hedge fund and it'd be making, you know, zillion dollars. But I could just speak just from the economic fundamentals that I observe. You know, I do a, a weekly show called Fin Weekly where I provide weekly updates on what's happening in the world of finance and the economy. And from that perspective, like when I think about the US, I mean, we have a rising deficit. So like our deficit, we used to have this ceiling, debt ceiling that got you know put on hold for a little bit and so our deficit continues to climb which means that in the future that money needs to be paid back in some form or fashion okay which can hurt economic growth we're also dealing with inflation because of the pandemic there was a ton of cash that was pumped into the system well you can't just pump cash into a system and not expect inflation 
So with inflation, you have more cash in the system, more cash um, is chasing fewer assets, which causes asset prices to spike, like with housing and everything else, which creates this inflation. To curb the inflation, you have to raise interest rates to get everything under control. It, it slows spending down and it, it helps curb inflation. Well, when interest rates go up, the banks that have their money invested in bonds and treasuries and other financial assets, when they have their money tied up in these assets and then they need access to cash because depositors need more cash, they have to sell these assets at a loss. So then it hurts the financial system, which requires the government, the Fed, the central banks to pump more cash into the system, which creates more inflation, which creates higher interest rates. So it's really this precarious situation, in my opinion, is is that we have to drink the bad medicine to get things under control. But that's a really hard proposition to sell, especially when you have like an election year coming up to say, hey, I'm going to crush the economy by raising interest rates and there's going to be a lot of financial pain in the short term so we could get back on track for the long term. So that's the situation that I see unfolding in the United States. Higher interest rates are going to increase borrowing costs which is going to impact individuals and small businesses. Individuals will have less income to spend, which drives our economy. Businesses will be impacted. Uh, there will be eventually you know, more layoffs. Charles Schwab just announced that they're going to do a bunch of layoffs. They're trying to save $500 million over the next year. So other companies are following suit. So it's this longer delay, and we're going to get you know off the, the juice here, the, the pandemic juice, and eventually there's going to be a little bit, little bit of a hangover. But I'll say this, and I, I don't know what the timing is on that. I mean, we could just skip that hangover and hit another boom cycle, but then eventually, you know, the cycle is going to, you know, cause us to, you know, pay the reaper here. But ultimately what I would say is this, Marco, there's always ups and downs. So I talked to some people and they're so negative, like, oh my gosh, you know, the money supply is going to go away. We're going to get rid of dollar bills. We're going to go on this digital currency, you know, you know, the government or the, or the, you know, financial like funds, these hedge funds or private equity firms are going to buy up all the houses and, you know, nobody's going to own homes or, you know, I mean, there's all these different into the world doomsday type scenarios when it comes to financial markets and the economy. I would say there's always been that there's always cycles, but if you're investing in yourself, if you're building the skills and capabilities, then you're going to be able to capture opportunities in any market. Even in the Great Recession back in the late 20s, 30s in the US, when unemployment was 20%, 80% of the workforce, they're still working. They still had jobs. So I think if you're a fear monger, if you follow the media and you're like, oh my gosh, things are fearful, things are like bleak, things are scary, there's no opportunity in the future, then you're going to miss out on tremendous opportunities. I think they're are tons of businesses that people can start. There's so many like new ideas, new tools, new resources out there to be successful as an entrepreneur. So I'm optimistic and bullish on the future, even though I do think there will be some economic challenges that we face on an ongoing basis, to be honest. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's very interesting what you said about uh, how it's going to be able to develop in uh, this time frame for the future and that uh, you can't be able to predict it because there's just so many factors. And especially with the election, as you say, coming up, it's interesting how politics and uh, all these different things within the news can just have so much uh, controversy and all this different 
all these different factors can be combined to sort of dictate the economy and all these factors play a part within the economy of uh, whether interest rates will go up, whether inflation's going to uh, go up, whether uh, the house prices will go down or up. But yeah, it, it's uh, it does reflect investing as well and and sort of what I've seen from investing and looking over past trends over 10, 20 year timeframes is that it does go up and down when looking at the S&P 500 or the FTSE 100 it eventually over a 10 year time frame it does go up and i was looking i was really looking into this and wanted to ask more on this with you that over time i, I see all these social media traders and uh, traders that work on like a 5 minute or a 10 minute time frame but then i look at the scale or, or, or i look at it on a much larger scale and just think to myself why don't people just hold for like 10 20 years time because it goes. It just goes up. I mean, we've seen the S and P five hundred from the financial crisis in two thousand and eight. It managed to bounce back up in four or five years' time. I think it was around twenty thirteen where it got back to that level and then grew even more for the next ten years uh, into twenty twenty three. Now, so uh, it's interesting when I see these people online and I think to myself, well, why don't people just see it out in the long run? Yeah, exactly. And I and I think we live in this culture, Marco, where it's this quick fix, get rich quick. And I mean, that's been around for a long time, but we live in the world of a one minute short video on TikTok or YouTube or whatever it is. It, like the attention span is so short. People just want to shortcut their way to success. And I can tell you, get rich quick, get poor quick too. So if you're speculating in the market, sure, you could be successful in the short term, I mean, it's like, I was talking to my friend the other day, if you took a coin and you flipped it and you did this, you know, a thousand times or a million times, whatever it is, like there are going to be times where you flip heads 10 times in a row. That's just probability. And you think to yourself, wow, I got a magic quarter here. Every time I flip it, it lands on heads. Well, that that's nothing to do with magic. It's just probability. So you can go out there and you can just speculate in the market and buy certain stocks like, oh, I heard about this, this stock and it's going to continue to increase, you know, fivefold in the next, you know, six months. I'm going to like buy it, but you're not looking at the fundamentals of the company. Then you're just gambling. I mean, it's like going to Vegas and you're just putting your money on red or black or odd or even. And sure, you could be successful playing roulette like that, but eventually the house is going to win. I mean, the house always wins. And so when I think about investing, it comes back to understanding how financials work. And this, this is true for investing. If you're just going to buy financial assets or you're going to start your own business, you have to understand how to read an income statement, a balance sheet, and a statement of cash flows. I talk about this all the time. And you may say, well, Steve, you know, like, look, I'm not running a business and I, you know, I'm not a CPA and I don't need to understand how that works. I just want to buy stocks. Like, teach me the ratios and, and metrics to pay attention to so I can just buy stocks. But I'm like, if you don't understand free cash flow, free cash flow drives the intrinsic value of stocks and other financial assets. Meaning, intrinsic value is the present value of all the future cash flows that this asset will produce. Right. So, if you don't understand free cash flow, and if you don't understand, okay, if I look at net operating profit after tax, I add back depreciation and amortization, and I account for working capital and capex. That's how I get to free cash flow. Or I could go to the statement of cash flows. Look at cash flow from operating activities, account for CapEx, and I get free cash flow there. 
Or you look at the balance sheet and say, this is how much leverage this company has. This is how liquid they are, whatever it may be. And just do a quick analysis before buying stocks. Then you're just like, you're gambling and you're, you're investing with your eyes closed. So I, I think, you know, what you said, Marco is important. It's like the buy and hold strategy going back to that, where I'll buy stocks and I'll hold them for like, I pretty much say, okay, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to hold it forever. Now there's some stocks that don't meet my certain criteria that I have, and I'll go off and sell them, but I'm not buying stocks and then flipping them and, and selling them in the market. That's not how I invest. Instead, I look at the free cash flow of the business, the economics of the business, the future of that industry. And then I, I buy the stock at a period of time when the intrinsic value is you know, above the market cap. And so I've done that over and over again. And that's how I've been able to invest successfully in stocks. Yeah, I think that's really interesting of how you can sort of uh, diversify that uh, your portfolio and how you can sort of separate the, these different stocks and different time frames for certain stocks and sort of uh, choose ones for a more uh, quicker, more uh, short term uh, arrival. Whereas with other stocks like index funds, like the S&P 500, for example, you'd more likely to go long term on that and sort of hold it out for 10, 15 years. And it's undoubtedly oh, it's no likely to go up over time and, and just to increase and increase but going back to what you said about businesses and business decisions i know you said uh, earlier in the episode today that uh, you you've been running businesses since you were 16 years old so mixing that with the sort of in, your investment uh, model how do you handle risk when investing or making key financial decisions when it's a, a, a big financial decision or even a small one? How are you able to handle that risk? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. I mean, I, I think, look, there's times that I get it wrong. I, I think all the indicators tell me one way the financial model pencils out and I can still make a bad decision. But I've also avoided a lot of decisions just by understanding how strategy interplays with finance. So let me explain here. If I'm looking at a company, let's say I'm going to invest in a company, whether it's a private company or a public company, or whether I'm going to take on you know, some type of venture situation where I'm going to put money into the company and be active in the operations of that business to grow it. Ultimately, what I'm doing is I'm looking at the upside of this investment because my time is limited right? And, you know, financial resources are scarce. I don't have, you know, unlimited funds. So I have to be mindful of, of how I'm deploying my capital. But when I look at it, first, I'll look at the strategy of the business and I'll ask myself, does this strategy make sense? Like, are there a lot of friction points with the strategy? Meaning like, does the business have to work really hard and have really smart, talented people in order to sell its products and services? And if the answer is yes, then it's going to be really difficult for that business to scale. So if you have like this technology, but you have to have like the best and smartest people out there, like saying the right things and the perfect things just to convince these, these people to buy it, then I'm like, dang, that's going to take a lot of capital to scale. And so instead I look at businesses like Warren Buffett said, that could be ran by a ham sandwich, right? You could just put anybody in there. But the model makes sense. The unique selling proposition makes sense. The 
go-to-market strategy makes sense where it's easy for people to buy products and services. Those types of companies will scale. So that's what I look at. I also look at businesses. If there's a key person in the business, if there's a man or a woman running the business and uh, the whole business is dependent on that person, otherwise the business like will collapse. Well, that's not a, a really good business to invest in. So I'll, I'll avoid those types of businesses. But then ultimately it gets down to free cash flow. It goes back to free cash flow, Marco. And, and I'll stick by that over and over again. It's not about profit because profit, you know, then has to go into working capital or capital expenditures. You have to buy equipment and, you know, buildings and so on and so forth in some businesses. And those businesses are harder to scale. So I'll, I'll look at free cash flow. And if the business isn't generating free cash flow, even if it has tons of revenue, then I'll take a, a hard, fast look. There's some businesses that are pre-revenue or pre-profit or pre-cash flow, and they're scaling up in the the possibility of achieving those things is really high, then I'll still invest in them. But if the economics of the business doesn't make sense, even if it's promising, even if it's sexy, um, I'll often pass on those investment opportunities. Yeah, that's really interesting about how you can sort of sort of take into account which which of those workers uh, sort of put in more effort or uh, how you can handle risk in those big uh, like pressure pressured situations and it, it's really interesting to understand from my point of view as an 18 year old who is just researching about finance and has never been in that position before I think it's really interesting when I see people not only online but even talking to you today how you can do all the research necessary all you can look at all the articles online all the news statements you can do all your research but at the end of the day it won't be the same as having that personal experience of running a business or managing a, a, a large investment portfolio because at the end of the day experience is what matters and i think you can agree with me on this exactly no it's exactly true and and, and look i when i think about like if I was giving financial advice to people, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't work in the personal finance space where I'm providing personal financial advice to people. And there's a reason. And here's what I found, Marco. And this is what I want to share with the listeners too. Let's just say you make you know $70,000 a year or even $100,000 a year. And you want to secure financial freedom by working in a career, by working in a job. There's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, the world needs people working in jobs for other people, for companies. Not everybody can be an entrepreneur. It doesn't work that way. But if you are in that situation and you're working in a job and you're going to get a 5% raise every year, maybe a little bonus you know, for the holidays or whatever for a job well done, and you're able to save, let's just say you're making 70 grand a year, you can save 10%. Well, that's seven grand a year you can save, which is good. And if you take that and invest it, it's better than nothing. Okay. You're going to put that in some type of investment vehicle, watch it grow, make sure you're minimizing your fees because that can really screw you in the long run. But if you're smart, there are people that have become millionaires by making you know $50,000 a year or $70,000 a year or whatever. So it can be done. My point is, is that it can be really hard to do that too. So when you're working for wages, it's really hard to get ahead. And I did a TikTok video about this a long time ago. You know, that's one of my first TikTok where I researched the IRS and the IRS put out a report and it showed 
where the top you know, earners, the, the most wealthy people out there in the world, where they earn their money and guess where they earn their money from. They earn their money from you know, capital gains or they earn it from business or some other type of passive income. So with boosting your financial IQ in this whole platform, it's like, yes, I can teach people about 401ks and IRAs. And, and I do, I have episodes about that stuff, but really when it comes down to it, it's about helping people to be entrepreneurs or start businesses. And maybe you're not an entrepreneur. Maybe it's tagging along in a business in a position where you can gain equity or some type of upside because you can add value. You're a value creator and you can help grow the business in a way that will allow you to get equity and participate in that, that upside. So that's why I'm, I'm so passionate about business, entrepreneurship, strategy and finance, tying those two things together, driving value either for yourself or for your company. But when it comes down to it, like your wealth, your financial freedom is going to be substantially accelerated if you participate in capital, the upside of capital, rather than just working for wages. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, what you said about the whole importance of entrepreneurship, I mean, if you're a person who would be completely comfortable with working that 70,000 uh, a year job and putting it in a savings account and just doing that over time. But at the end of the day, if you're an entrepreneur who wants to achieve that financial freedom, as you said, uh, you can work those office jobs, but at the end of the day, it won't get you to where you want to go. And that is similar to what I said earlier in the episode about achieving those large goals but you have to start with the small ones first because when you look at the Forbes list of the top 50 richest people in the world you don't see them working office jobs you see them running businesses or uh, developing that entrepreneurial mindset but they didn't always have that they started off in those office jobs but what they did they they gathered those skills, they understood financial knowledge, they took those skills from their office jobs, the communication, your your sales, communication, persuading, financial knowledge, they took all that together and created something for themselves. And that's, in my opinion, that's how you can really break out of this sort of financial cycle and really achieve that financial freedom. Because at the end of the day, if you're not running a business or you don't have the skills and you create a business it's not going to work i mean 20 percent of business as you've said in an earlier podcast episode 20 percent of businesses fail in their first year and uh from research that i've done that's been backed up by 90 percent of businesses failing in five years and so and it's it comes down to the key point of it's clear to see that the reason why these businesses are failing yes it could it could have been because of covid or it could have been because of a financial crisis but at the end of the day we're no longer in that now and so if someone wants to start a business you have to understand the knowledge first you have to build it's all it's all good building that experience but if you just go in to creating a business with no prior knowledge it's going to come at you like a train with the amount of complications, the amount of issues. You're going to have issues in every sector of your business whatsoever. So I feel like being able to develop those financial models and, 
and that understanding and that knowledge early on as soon as possible then it's going to allow you to sort of understand uh what business you want to progress through and, and what kind of entrepreneur you want to be in the future and that's really how someone could achieve their financial freedom if that's what they're going for no and, and i love that I, I think you're spot on very smart marco i mean you're absolutely right. When I think about it, like number one, to address your first point, like Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world, you know, founder of Amazon, he started in financial services. I think he worked for a hedge fund when he quit. So you're right. You can't, like some people can start a business when they're 16 like me, but I made a lot of mistakes along the way. It would have been far better to get experience first by working for somebody and then start my own thing. So there's nothing wrong with working for somebody else. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that. Even if you work for them for the rest of your life, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing bad about going down that path. So I just want to be very clear on that. The other thing that I'll say is that when it comes to financial knowledge, like you don't have to be this nerd who's understanding debits and credits and you get excited when your trial balance ticks and ties. I'm not saying that at all, but instead you have to understand the language of money. Like if you're going to go start like an ice cream shop, you should understand, okay, how many transactions do I need to do in a month, in a year, just to break even, to pay my employees, to cover the rent here, and then look at it and say, okay, does that make sense? I have to sell 40,000, I have to do 40,000 transactions, which equals this many per day. Is that realistic based on the traffic and based on where the store is located, right? You can just do quick gut check things like that. If you're a FinTech company, and you're going to go raise a bunch of capital, then you may want to understand, okay, what's my customer acquisition cost compared to my lifetime value of every customer that I bring on the company? And is my customer acquisition cost going to be lower than that LTV? So just understanding things like that. If you start a plumbing company, okay, what's my break-even point? If you have a detox center and you have a certain number of beds, how much do you need to charge per bed or get reimbursed by insurance companies? in order to make a profit. So understanding the story behind the numbers and the language is so critical. I mean, look, I go to places in Europe and when I travel around, I'll come across people and they're like, oh yeah, I speak French, I speak Spanish, I speak English and I speak Portuguese. And I'm like, uh, I speak English and Spanish, but some people only speak one language. Nothing wrong with that. But like, dang, the language of money is just like a foreign language that like, I wish I would have started learning when I was 18 years old. So we'll, we'll wrap there. I mean, this conversation could keep going for a long time. I, I love talking to you, Marco. You've, you've asked a lot of great questions, but um, any, any final words before we wrap? Yeah, I mean, it, it's great that you use the examples of uh, people like Jeff Bezos and these people who have started businesses that have worked for businesses beforehand. And uh, I'll, I'll just give another quick example before we round up. Even Rishi Sunak, the prime minister of the UK, uh, he didn't study politics or he didn't want to be uh, the prime minister when he was young. He was an ex-analyst at Goldman Sachs. He was in that financial model. He was working for the financial top guns. And then once he developed that knowledge, once he developed that skill, it was it, time for him to sort of direct his path and make those key decisions and those key de life decisions. And then he went on to be prime minister of the UK, which he is now. So it, it just goes to show that someone might be on a certain path but that doesn't mean they're going to be in that path for life. So uh, even when I reflect on myself and I've had such this 
uh, this straight pathway and all these patterns, like you say, and sort of had this key focus on this one goal and this big achievement. Yet, I don't know what's going to happen in five, ten years' time. Sure. So, uh, as many people say, fate will decide what happens. And it's just like that, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. So it's like, keep learning, keep growing, keep pushing yourself and and keep gaining all these experiences. I, I think you're doing a wonderful job, Marco. And I'm so glad that you're on the podcast. I'm so glad that we're able to connect and I'm sure we'll do more things together moving forward. And yeah, I just, I appreciate your time and the, the message that you've been able to share today. Yeah. I mean, thank you again, uh, once again, for letting me voice my opinion and, and being able to talk with you and learn so much today about, uh, finance investing the economy and even just general stuff as well like uh learning and sort of investing in yourself as well i, I feel like i've just learned so much today on this podcast yeah absolutely no it's it's been a pleasure and I, and I feel the same way i've learned a bunch of things from you as well so thank you for being on the show everybody thanks for tuning in if you want to learn more about marco bavetta go to byfiq.com that's boosting your financial iq.com Go to the guest pages and I'll have a page for Marco there. I'll I'll include some links and stuff if you want to get in contact with them. But thank you so much once again, Marco. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Keep working hard and keep, you know, just being ambitious out there and you're going to be very successful. Reach out if you ever need anything. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out via Instagram or LinkedIn, or you can send me an email, steve at byfiq.com, however you want to connect. Um, I'd love to hear from you. If you haven't downloaded the app, make sure you download the Booster Financial IQ app in the community section. You can say hello, give a shout out and provide some feedback if you would like to. Take care of yourself and until next time, cheers. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again. Hey, real quick, if you get value out of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a review. Also, if you want to be featured on the show, send me a recording with your name, your age, where you're from, and your question through a voice note or a video using your smartphone. Then email me the file at hello at byfiq.com. BYFIQ stands for boosting your financial IQ. So once again, it's hello at byfiq.com. If selected, I'll give you a shout out and answer your question for you and the entire community. One last thing, if you want access to additional resources that will help you fast track your path to financial freedom, visit byfiq.com or download our free app in the Apple or Google Play app store today. Thanks again.